Now that you have the off-air bodiness out of the way, welcome to the latest edition of Newstalks SSE, Airtricity League podcast with myself, Richie McCormick, and himself, Oshin Langan, the bodiest man in show business. So he is. That's what my agent said. That doesn't work. No. no. This week, talking Europe, uh, shall we play? We're going to have to play some European style music in here. We'll play the actual Eurovision music there. I want to stop you there because we'll play the actual music. Fairness, that is much better. It is much better. It's kind of a strange week for us because, um, well, those of you who follow us, those of you who would follow us to hell. Losers. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're League of Ireland fans, so you assume that. But those of you who follow us, through thick and thin I want to let you in on a secret more thick than anything yes I want to let you in on a secret sometimes just sometimes we record bits of the podcast and put it all together later stop breaking the fourth wall yeah the fourth wall has been smashed I smashed it every night of the week the fourth wall anyway as Richard Keyes once said (laughs) anyway it was just banter anyway um, We're recording this before City and Pats play their European games, so we're going to disgraceful. We're going, we're going to, we're we're going to re-record uh, after those games. We'll and, edit and in as appropriate. Yes, we'll edit in as appropriate. Yeah. Edit. And that's where I'll cut across you, lads. It's me here, Richie, and other me doing the podcast. We recorded on Thursday, knowing full well that you would actually want to hear some analysis of Cork City and St Pats. So, as promised. We have re-edited the podcast and this is the director's cut, so to speak. And Neil Horgan, formerly of Cork City, about to talk to us about City's fantastic draw in Hackett and Pat's fantastic draw in Minsk. They drew one all, Christy Fagan with the goal. City went 1-0 up, a Sean Maguire penalty, but uh, sadly Hacken equalised. But still, a one-all draw away from home in Europe isn't bad at all. The uh, second leg's taking place next Thursday in Richmond Park and uh, Turner's Cross, respectively. Before we hear from Hoggy, let's hear from uh, John Caulfield, the Cork City manager. He's been speaking about the importance of Kenny Brown and Greg Bulger. Bulger playing really well last night. I'm fantastic and you know there's a difference with Greg in because he can he can make us play and whatever you know the guy isn't 100% which is unfortunate but you know you take a gamble he wanted to play we wanted to play him but anyways he's knackered in the dressing room but you know he offers your composure and you know this year we've changed our whole the way we play and everything and he's crucial to that and you can see that you know I suppose to be honest with you, he looked the best player on the pitch hacking you know 25 million club we're 1.5 million no. They, have inter- they have international players they have players from all over, over the Europe and the world you know and they're a massive club here they've won the cup in Sweden Swedish football is, is at a different level you know Swedish football have internationals in the, from their league playing with the national team we don't have that but the one thing about our lads they're, they grew in confidence they played well they, they didn't shirk any responsibility you know so we can we can pass it as well and um, you know it showed that we were dangerous on the counter so but um, certainly have taken it before the game but at the same time um I still think it's it's all up for grabs in Cork next week. John Caulfield, the manager of Cork City. Obviously, the carrier pigeon got back uh, faster from Gothenburg than it did from Minsk, so we can't bring you Pat's reaction per se, but uh, no doubt we will look ahead to that game in the Europa League. Third qualifying round, second leg in detail across the week here on News Talk. But uh, as I say, ex-Cork City defender Neil Horgan is with me. Neil, before we talk about the actual game itself and John Caulfield's comments there, what a night in Europe for the League of Ireland. Yeah, it was great, Oshin, um, and, and much needed, it must be said. Um, if anyone is interested in, in, I suppose, the League of Ireland and how we've done in Europe in recent times, um, I, I think last year was one, one of the worst years um, it, it, in the points total for the UEFA coefficient. Uh, it was a little bit of an anomaly because we had five teams in it last year with the Fair Play um, award for ECD, and, and what that means is that whatever points total you get at the end gets divided by five Oshie. And, and actually last year's points total was really really low um, it, we, we were one of the lowest ranking uh, countries in all of Europe in terms of our, our club coefficient so this was much needed um, two fantastic results to be honest um, and, and kind of results we haven't seen in, in maybe 10 years Oshie. And what is it with Cork City in Sweden Jura Gardens and Malmo in the past and now you can add hack into their hit list Absolutely. Um, now, we did have a few failings along the way. I think Hammerby beat us once um, when I was playing as well. But we, you're right, we beat, we beat Malmo and Jurgardens. Um, and um, we have a, a great reputation playing the Swedes. It, it, there's something about, I have to say, generally speaking, when, when I was playing, the Norwegians and the Danes were, were, were a stronger um, 
club scene than, than the Swedes have. But I don't think that's the case today. Um, I was looking at the um, coefficient ranking myself for Sweden, and they're, they're, they're 21st. So they're above Sweden, like uh, the, the League of Ireland. Um, our, our ranking is 41st. So they're, they're, they're a full 20 places away from, from Cork City's league. So that, that puts um, our, our, the lads' performance in, into, into, I suppose, context that away from home. And, and I know you watched, Roisin. For me, Cork City were the better team on the day. I know they hung on a, a, for parts of it, but I, I, I'm really convinced that they'll, they'll go through you know, next, next Thursday. Talk to me about the way they were set up because John Caulfield, we heard from him there, um, he said they used the ball well, but he knew they had to do that. And the way he set the team up, they looked solid, but it wasn't a case of just you know lumping it away and hoping for the best. They actually took control for large periods of the match. So how did they do that? Absolutely. Um, I think John uh, you know, mentioned it there. Greg Bulger being in the team makes a big difference. Um, when you have a player like that who, who's able to get around, he's very confident on the ball, he's also good at defending, right? Um, he gives he gives you kind of the, the strength of mind to keep the ball. I think the two centre backs as well, the likes is particularly Alan Br- Brown. Um, sorry, it, it, it's Brown the centre back. Kenny Brown, yeah, it, yeah. He he was very good on the, on the ball as well, you know. And and like what what they they didn't do, like you're saying, Oshin, is is launch into the corners and, and all get back. John's formation seemed to be one up front with Maguire, but. A four behind him with the with the two white guys going going to help Maguire at certain times, but there was a four behind him and another one which would be Bulger, and then a back four. And I I think that 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 worked yesterday. Uh, I also think um, John Caulfield and John Cotter on the line um, were quite good. They were very animated. They were part of the the, the match almost, and they were they, they certainly got their personalities across onto the pitch to help the lads. And I think all combined, it was a, a fantastic performance. You know. You know, that's a, a point I was thinking about last night and I thought to myself, I'm only thinking about this because I've never played the game and I wouldn't know what it's like to be a player and to get kind of communicate from your manager like that. And, you know, I was wondering, does that make any difference? The the, the manager of um, Hacken looked really passive as he stood there in, yes. in runners and a fairly sloppy looking shirt and jeans, whereas John actually looked like a manager. So you're saying that that, that actually did make a difference? I think it did, yeah. I think it did. I watched them uh, last year against the Icelandic team that they lost, and I think the lads were a bit more muted. You know, it's John's natural style. It's John's natural style to be the way he is. Uh, it was yesterday, you know, and he is like that in the League of Ireland. So I think when the lads see that, you know, John is acting like normal, um, then they they act as normal and they play the way they did. Now, on top of that, in fairness, they they had last year's experience, which will have done no no harm at all. Like lads like Kevin O'Connor, who hadn't played in Europe before got last year's um, you know, experience out of the way, um, be it good or bad, and you're coming into Europe after beating Linfield now as well this year with, with confidence, you know, doing well in the league. But I, I do think the likes of Caulfield and, and John Cotter, who they were kind of um, acting within their, you know, square or whatever, but they were, mm. they were, they were um, when a ball would come their way, they were, they were happy to slow the game down and that. It does make a difference, I can tell you that from, from, this, from playing is that you know your manager is there, you know he's part of it. The hacking manager was very passive. I don't know, did they underrate this Cork City team a little bit? And and you have to say, perhaps, given the results from League of Ireland clubs over the last five, six years anyway, you know, it could be a, a case where they did underrate what a Cork City team could bring. And, and you know what, they could pay for that now, this coming Thursday, because it's going to be a pack turn as cross. And I can't wait for it. And before we move on to next Thursday, and also we'll talk about St. Pat's, I want to talk about Garrod Morrissey. He was fantastic yesterday. And Sean Maguire, who scored the penalty and who played well himself, really spoke up um, on his behalf, or spoke up for him, I should say, or about him really more so, after the game. Garrod was immense tonight. Like He was on the front foot. They didn't give um, their two centre midfielders peace. Anytime they got a touch of the ball, he was in their face. And as shown for, for our goal, he, he won the ball, he passed it through to me. And I seen Dules make that run, played inside and... He got fouled. There's no question about it. it. Was definitely a penalty like, and I think I was a bit nervous stepping up, but I got so confident I was going to score. Sean Maguire there. Uh, Garrod Morrissey, fantastic last night. Did everything that Sean Maguire said he did. Hassled, harried, but used the ball Absolutely. well as well. Absolutely. Um, I suppose Garrod is a player that we've all been hoping would would, would get to this level. Um, he was there right at the start of Cork City for us uh, through the first division, getting promoted. 
um, back into the Premier Division and, and, and learning his trade really after coming back from Blackburn where he was for, for four years when he, when he was growing up, you know. Um, so he, he's a man with incredible talent, left foot, right foot, physically fantastic. We've been hoping he'd get to a level where he's learning the game, like the senior game, where he's doing the intelligent things. Because th- there was a time when he was having shots that weren't on, he was tracking fellas down when he shouldn't have, or not tracking fellas back. That seems to have changed in Garoud. A bit of maturity, um, maybe after coming back from England last year, he's after learning that, you know what, this is where he's going to make his name um, in, in the League of Ireland, playing in Europe. And he really he grasped that challenge yesterday. And it was fantastic to see, as a Corkman, to see a guy from um, you know Ringman doing fantastic over in Sweden. It, it's fantastic for us. Fantastic for the whole league. That's what it can provide, you know, that access to European football um, for a guy like Ron Morrissey, who's incredibly talented and just needs to go to a place where he's respected and, and, and wanted and, and can show off how good he is. Neil, talk to me about what it's going to be like from the player's point of view at the cross next Thursday. You know, one all with Hacken, the game nicely poised, City have the advantage, the cross will be packed, people in Cork and Cork fans love these big European nights. It's like a mini version of Anfield. People always talk about the great atmosphere in Anfield on European nights. It's kind of similar in Turner's Cross, isn't it? Yeah, to some extent, anyway, maybe maybe not Anfield now, but... Um, yeah. it, oh, but do, it you is. get the point I'm making, though. It's a <laughs> do, different I kind do. of atmosphere on a European night at the Cross. I uh, know, it's fantastic. Uh, you, it'll be hard to get a ticket to, to start with. Now, I can tell you that the, the excitement is here. The people on the street, I was walking walking to work this morning and I was talking to people on the street about it. Um, so it, it's there already. Um, it'll be amazing. This this kind of um, I suppose position they're in reminds me of Jur Gardens where we played in the, the old UEFA Cup um, in 2006, and we were one one up away, having scored first as well, and they conceded uh, and, and conceding late, and then we we got a nil all draw, and was it was one of the best days of my career, um, Oshin, because the crowd were just all over the match and uh, in the return leg, and and again. There was a lot of Swedish internationals playing that day, and they're not really—they weren't really ready for that kind of thing because obviously the crowd in Turns Cross are, are right on top of you. So every time I was marking, I think one of the uh, Swedish internationals, any time he got the ball, it wasn't just me on top of him; it was the crowd, and that's what those Swedish players can look forward to next week. Yep. And it, it, it promises to be a great night, you know. And do you think John will go the same again with his tactics? Because even though City are at home, they might need to take a similar approach. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I suppose a nil-all draw will, will, will put them through. So it worked the other night. Um, I did feel they were the better team uh, the other night. So I, I don't see it changing the, as, as much as um, the Swedish team had some good chances in that. I, I just felt we were stronger. Um, so I, I don't I don't see why John would have a reason to change it. Perhaps um, bringing on Marky Sol maybe a bit earlier um, if, if things are, are, are still tight because he does. It gives you something, <laughs> whether it be uh, <laughs> tackling fellas in the corner flag. Yeah. Or, um, he brings a the kind of physicality, even though he when he came on last night, I realised watching the, the uh, live feed, he's not actually that tall. Or maybe he was just beside no, an official who was that tall, you know? No, he's not. He's not. And this is something we would discuss amongst players about how, how good a header the ball he is. And he's only he's only my height, or, or and I'd be quite small, uh, Sheen, relative to professional footballer. Yeah, because it was only when he actually stood beside the fourth official and was about to come on, I was like, actually, he's not as tall as I think he is. No, and I've seen and him play in the flesh. And quite often, heading isn't just about being tall; it's about timing. And he's got a lot of power, Sheen. This guy's got a lot of power and and loves heading the ball, right? So if you're marking him, uh, particularly for a corner or something like that, you you know this is where he comes to the fore. Um, and and not a lot of centre forwards are like that anymore. Where they 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 really um, you know cherish heading the ball. You know, so it's, it's something that he has in his locker. Something he can add. I think Colin Healy also could 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 have an earlier effect next week if if you're holding on to a game. But I suppose the crucial thing really is not to concede early, uh, like always in European games. If we concede early, it'll be difficult. So I I do see, like you said, John setting up the same. Situation, which really was a counter-attacking yeah. um, style, and which suits this team. I think actually, what doesn't suit this team is when the other team go down to ten men. <laughs> it doesn't because this team, as well as they're able to play and a bit, and they do play a bit more than they've done the last few years. Um, it's not their first mode 
of playing. Their first style is counter-attack and while, while playing quite well, you know. And I think the Swedish team had a, had a problem getting through our midfield yesterday. They decided to go long into the corners late on, which, which worked for them to an extent rather than going through midfield into the corners. But I think John will be ready for that next week. And I, I think the entire back four played so well, um, including Kevin O'Connor, Michael McSweeney, Alan Bennett, um, that I would be confident that they, they'll hold out. And, and their their defensive record all year has been fantastic as well, Oshin. Yeah. So I'd be, I'd be confident that we, we won't concede. And don't concede and you go through. And John will be telling them that, you know, and it's worth so much money. I, I think I'd be playing for a draw and a counter-attacking um, style, you know. Neil, just before I let you go, obviously we didn't see the game uh, because a feed was nigh on impossible to find, but St. Pat's with a fantastic draw away against Dinamo Minskal. They, they'll fancy their chances uh, in Inchicore next Thursday as well. Absolutely. And and, and Belarusin, uh, you know, I, I mean, if anything, and I, I did look up, I did my homework today, actually. Belarus are 20th in, in the UEFA rankings um, as 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 a club their club scene so that was a huge huge result as well Christy Fagan I, I think you saw the goal what a goal he I got I did yeah fantastic and strike. what's nice and I think what Europe does is that it legitimises our own players so even myself I was thinking you know Christy Fagan's a very good player or whatever but then you see him score a fantastic goal against uh, Dynamo Minks and you think Jesus, he's a really good player but he's been doing this the whole time the last five years you know um, so it's important for them I think they have a good chance I would be I think Cork City probably have a better chance, yep. just given Cork City's defensive record, um, particularly at home over the last years. But geez, it would be great if both teams go through. You know, Pat's record up till you know the last few years has been brilliant in Europe and playing attractive football. Um, and you know, they've seemed to have gotten better. They, they had a good result. I think it was Luxembourg team they went through uh, recently with Baron Denny getting the away goal. So let, here's hope for two teams going through. You know. Um, and I suppose Dundalk on the other side of it, an Icelandic team, that looks like a, a, a battle, a hard battle that they have going forward uh, in the Champions League. But you never know. That's a good Dundalk team and they, they might also pull it. It would be pull off a result. It would be fantastic to see three teams through to um, to the next stage, you know. Yep, let's hope it happens. Neil Horgan, thanks very much for joining us on this kind of um director's cut version of the SSE Electricity <laughs> League podcast on News Talk. I'm looking forward to meeting you in Tur- Turner's Cross next uh, Thursday night and let's hope it's one of those great uh, nights. I hear, uh, you know, on radio in Liverpool, they say ahead of European nights at Anfield, you know, this place gets really like Turner's Cross and <laughs> <at> European nights. <laughs> I heard that too, actually. I've seen your eyes. <laughs> Absolutely. Neil, listen, thanks for thanks joining Christine, us. My pleasure. That's Neil Horgan there, formerly of Cork City. As I say, a bit of a strange SSE or Trisili podcast this week because generally we record on Wednesday or Thursday, uh, but this week we have kind of done a bit of an add-on and built an extension because of Cork City and St. Pat's uh, great results in Europe. And we were, we were going to talk about those games anyway, but it just it's really cool that we're talking about great results and let's hope they can uh, see it through and both get through as you heard from uh, Hoggy there he thinks they have a good chance uh, we'll talk more about Dundalk by the way in a couple of minutes they drew one all at home with FH Harfna Fjordar during the week they're away in Iceland for the second leg uh, next week um, but uh, now it's time to kind of slip back in to the version we had recorded Richie and I Richie is off today that's why he's not here talk to uh, Neil Horgan um, do you think you guys will notice if I just kind of Go back in mid-sentence to our opening monologue. Still to come, by the way, Dan Kelly talking about Sligo and Mark McCadden talking about Dundalk. And um, yeah, I'm just hoping that we can just slip in. You guys don't really notice and you're quite forgiving. Come on, you you forgive the Sopranos for that ending. Surely you can forgive us for this. I mean, it's not like we're just going to cut off mid-sent. Edit. But guarantee we do have Mark McCadden of the Irish Daily Star to talk about Dundalk's one-all draw with F.H. Hafnar Frenor at Oriel Park. And no, I didn't just reverse the tape to say that name, uh, although it does kind of work out well. If you do uh, say F.H. Hafnar Frenor backwards, it does mention killing priests uh, and burning down churches. Wow. And he I'll, also talks about rovers and bulls, the upcoming Dublin Derby. Absolutely. And a little bit about Longford as well and how they're not actually as bad as their position in the league might suggest. That should be their tourist board slogan. Longford. <laughs> Longford not yes. as bad as our position in the league suggests. <laughs> By the way, uh, for Longford, it's a big weekend. They're playing Cork in the football qualifiers. They've never met in the championship. That game live and off the ball. That's in Gaelic football, by the way. That's the one where you pick it up. I was going to say thanks for plugging, but that's just... That's that's, gr- that's gratuitous. It's not gratuitous. It is. It's, it's letting people know of a live game that we have on News Talk. 
on oh, one of our many platforms. Also coming up on Sunday. The people the on- actually listen to the The only platform. place on Sunday that you can hear Galway versus Ross Common in the Connacht Football Final replay. Wow. Voice over voice right there. Okay. And you get it for free. You know, actually, you know, on my way to the Connacht Final last week where I stopped in, the Galway Plaza. Nice place, yeah, isn't it? I really enjoyed it. Several decent how many, eateries. How many, exactly how many eateries? About eight. Wow. About eight. Great place. And I was reading the Evening Herald, um, having had my car fixed by Mick's Garage. On to the next part of the show, which ordinarily would be you rush, rushing through the week's news, but we've been in a rush ourselves, so I haven't really got a chance to It's just such a weird week with the European games. And, and the and fractured nature of where all the league games are themselves across the week. It's just been mad. Exactly. That and the fact that I was double jobbing this week between my morning shift and the Munster under 21 a hurling championship with board gosh energy so I just plain and simply haven't had the time we should for the amount of plugs and brands that we've stuck into this podcast get a decent wedge for this and the sad truth is is we won't I know yeah <laughs> so more fool us let's, uh, well let's not get confused and call it the board gosh energy League of Ireland because that would never happen cut to the next bit Edit. And that next bit is Dundalk assistant manager Vinnie Perth speaking to LMFM about their one-all draw with FH Harfna Fjordor in the Europa League. They play the second leg in Iceland next Wednesday. In terms of our way record and scoring goals, we score in most games we play, so we'll expect to go over there and score. But look, they're going to be a difficult opposition to play against over there. Um, they're not a bad team. I think both teams are fairly evenly matched. It's a chance for both teams to progress, so we're obviously disappointed. It feels like a, a defeat around the ground, but it's far from a defeat, and I think we can go again and kick on in their way. Like I didn't feel they were trapped for most of the second half, so it's obviously disappointing to concede an away goal. But um, look, we've seen them now. They, they are what we expect them to be there's nothing no surprises and uh, we have a brilliant away record and we're going to have to rely on that next Wednesday we knew we probably would have had the score going over there and you know um, it, it is a disappointing goal to concede but it's it's um, there's a lot of positives from, from our point of view in terms of feeling we can score feeling where, where the threat is I think we can get in behind them and we almost did a couple of times with David McMillan on fire at the moment Kieran can do ready to go if we need be so not, not, it's not the end of the world and it's, um, it's a winnable tie still for us There you go Vinnie Perth speaking in the wake of Dundalk's one-all draw with FH Hafnarfidur Thank you very much uh, We're joined by the stars Mark McCadden who was at Oriel Park last night for that one-all draw Vinnie mentioned the sense of disappointment and almost feeling like a loss coming away from the ground is that fair? Yeah, there really was a sense of disappointment afterwards. Um, having taken the lead, it looked like um, Dundalk could pro- possibly build on that and maybe grab another goal. Um, and the goal they conceded was, was very poor defensively. Um, one that could certainly have been avoided and, and might have been avoided if uh, Brian Gartland had, had still been on the pitch. So, uh, I mean, looking at the first half performance in particular, it looked like the 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 real you know target was to not concede an away goal and unfortunately that's what they've done is the prevailing wind of fear of Irish sides going into European ties like this whereby you know people might not know a lot about you know FH Hafnarfjordur from Iceland or whatever showing off now. I am pretty much um, but people might not know that much about them but they've well, you know what 7 out of 12 leagues that they've won they're performing at a fairly respectable level Iceland are obviously on the resurgence in terms of footballing wise but then again, Dundalk have been dominant the last couple of years in the league. So there's no reason why Irish sides can't approach these games with a sense of confidence that they can win the match. But like you mentioned, if you're going into a home tie and your main concern, despite the fact that you've got an on-fire Dave McMillan, despite the fact that you've got a creative Ronan Finn, despite the fact you've got Daryl Horgan, is to not concede. That air of fear, and I've been at European games at home where it's the same thing, it can take over and it can grip from a quite early stage in the game. And it's something that Irish sides kind of need to lose, I guess. Yeah, um, actually, a couple of points there. The the um, the the idea of Icelandic football being on a high. Um, I spoke to uh, Patrick McElhenney before about that before the game, and and he said, well, you know, th- there's there's n- none of those players are actually um, playing with uh, FH Hafnarfjordur, and I know, uh, but the structures are in place. That oh, absolutely, them to yeah, absolutely. But, but but then you know the Icelandics could look at us and our brave performance against France, and you know it 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 mightn't. But can they look at our youth structures and go, oh, we're envious of that? I well, don't possibly think so can they well, look at our many FAI debt restructurings and perhaps be jealous of that I, I think they can definitely be jealous of and that and John Delaney's ability to get a thousand extra tickets for fans well given that they've outperformed us in terms of Euro winnings I'd say no <laughs> fair enough <laughs> well it's it, 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 the 
I think so they just burn the bondholders anyway. That's what the Icelandics do. Anyway, sorry, Mark. <laughs> sorry. Um, the general uh, kind of, uh, I think the general sense going into um, European games, especially when you've the home when you're the home side first, is that you don't want to concede an away goal. Um, they've got ninety minutes over there to score, and on basis of last night's performance, I believe Dundalk are very more than capable of scoring over there. I mean, the the goal came from a very rare. Um, time in the game when when uh, FH had uh, were, were caught out defensively and David McMillan basically had the freedom to run through the middle. It still took a, a fantastic cross by McElhenney to find them and a great finish to to um, to score. But um, the, the another point that you made was the the uh, the quality of this side as well and and they are a quality side. They're seeded because they've won um, uh, games in Europe over the last number of years. They're seven times like say the. Icelandic champions the last 12 years they have uh, the, the goalkeeper was the Pharaoh's goalkeeper that played against us came on uh, for Shea Given for Manchester City his only Manchester City appearance against Arsenal in, in 2010 so and, and the, the one of the strikers as well as three caps for Iceland um, the, there's a bit of pedigree there and worryingly from a Dundalk point of view there were occasions last night where they kind of um, deviated from the longer ball, which they tended to play, surprisingly, to according to Stephen Kenny, um, where they deviated and played some one-touch passes, and, and they looked pretty sharp in doing that, and w- which would lead you to believe that maybe on their own pitch next week they'd be far more comfortable playing that kind of game um, and, and, and possibly prizing Dundalk open in, in that way. A, a Dundalk side that, again, is likely to be without Brian Gartland in, in central, one half of their incredible central defensive partnership. Um, so... Y- Going back to the approach the Irish sides take in Europe, again, Kenny kind of he came out and and the day before the game and talked about how you split a couple of years ago, and how they went for it in the first leg at Oriel Park and they were caught out with two early counter attacks because they just absolutely went hell for leather. Um, so the 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 mood last night was to uh, or the 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 tactic last night was obviously to keep things a little tighter, um, in in the knowledge that if they did even if it was a scoreless draw, which obviously would have been better than last night's result, that they would have gone over there um, perfectly capable of scoring an away goal and, and put, really putting the pressure on FH. And Vinnie Perth has mentioned that their away record in both Europe and the league is great. So in many ways, there'll be a lack of tension about them next week because they know that they can go and have a cut, the pressure is off, and they might actually play better. Whereas last night, I was listening to the commentary on my way back from a... a a game in Waterford and it sounded like they were a little bit tense yeah again next week's game is going to be a far less cagey affair excuse me with two sides who don't know much about each other you know, you kind of expected last night to to pan out the way that it did, with with the two teams kind of feeling at each other out and poking and prodding and and, and not really committing too much forward, which which is you know what what happened basically. Um, next week, now that the, the you know it's 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 basically one off game now at this stage, you're gonna have a much more open game. You're gonna have both sides playing more to their strengths um, and and throwing a little more caution to the wind, especially in the latter stages. Um, and in that scenario, you you'd fancy a team like Dundalk who has goals basically from everywhere um, to to come up with the goods and certainly get the away goal that, that would cancel out the, the Stephen Lennon's goal last night. Do they have any glaring vulnerabilities? Um, they, well, the, 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 the way they didn't defend for Dundalk's goal, if that was basically them pushing up the pitch and and maybe sensing they had a period of of where they could might maybe grab an away goal themselves, and so they committed bodies forward. And once they did that, the, suddenly gaps opened in defence, really big gaps opened in defence. And if they're to to um you know play a more open game themselves next week, um suddenly those gaps could appear again. Like they they. You know they looked solid in defence when they had bodies back. When basically whenever Dundalk had the ball, that you know they were facing uh, two banks of four, and uh, they were they squeezed Dundalk out, and it led to really there have only been one or two Dundalk pro- decent Dundalk chances in the first half. Um, if they are to play a more expansive game themselves next week, they will leave more gaps, and that is certainly a weakness that Dundalk could exploit. Do Dundalk as a club look at getting through this round as an absolute must, or? If the worst was to happen and they didn't, would they be able to sustain that or would they be able to take that blow? Because we've seen in the past 
teams have nearly gambled on getting through a couple of rounds in Europe and it has, it has really backfired. Yeah, Al, the, the prize money for um, just competing in the Champions League is much greater than it was even a couple of years ago. Like Dundalk already have five and a half, or 550 grand in the bank and that's, you know, 550 grand more than the most League of Ireland clubs. So, you know, they're, they're kind of made up just by qualifying for the Champions League. Um, to be in a position next week where they're 90 minutes away from doubling that that will put them on a on a tremendous financial yeah. footing so financially and I mean does, does that change depending on the draw then as in they'll get a certain amount of money anyway but if they were to get a big team and I haven't looked at the draw because lads I'm only taking yeah. one game at a time here uh, would it change that much oh that's just basic prize money um, okay. and then you're talking whatever about uh, you Celtic know, or Olympiacos yeah, yeah um, then you're talking about or Lincoln all Reddams. the or, yeah. <laughs> with all due respect yeah absolutely yeah, so then you're talking about all the the um, you know extra revenues that could come in regarding the the size of the, the caliber of the team you draw. And Dundalk, in in a sense, that they almost go over there with nothing to fear because people always talk about these sides, and we can talk about it with Hacken with Cork, or you can talk about it uh, with Minsk for uh, for St Pat's. It's a case of we always say, oh, we don't know too much about them. We go and do the video evidence. You know, FH have run away with the league seven times in the last twelve in Iceland, and they might not know that much about Dundalk, so they could leave themselves quite open over there. Yeah, I just, I simply, I think there's, there's nothing to fear going over there next week. Simply on the fact that the trepidation or the, 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 the caginess that 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 led to the approach last night is no longer there. Um, it's, it's, it's a one-off game now. Um, both, I know, you know, FH have a slight edge with the away goal, but it's, you know, it's a. 5149 uh, tie it now. Um so we all see how that goes down in the UK. <laughs> so you you've you've basically Ah, uh, Brexit, I get it. Thank you. I know. 5 minutes later. You know, you you won't have that cajunness anymore. Um and it's certainly a, you know, when the, when the draw was made, it was definitely the most winnable draw that Dundalk could have gotten because obviously there was like Sabate Barsov and Celtic and so on. The other on the other side of the tie. Um so, no, I don't think there'll be any fear from Dundalk going over, and particularly on the back of last night's performance where <clears throat> excuse me, both sides have more to give. Let's go to the SSE or Tristy League uh, Premier Division action this weekend. Shamrock Rovers up against Bohemians uh, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, and by tomorrow night, I mean Friday night. Um, both teams desperately needing the win here, both obviously for different reasons, but because of all that, it has the makings of an even better derby or possibly an even worse derby. It, it, absolutely. <laughs> That's a, is that the most I, general uh, I agree intro question 100%. I've ever asked? <laughs> I have to say I agree 100% with that. Why? <laughs> this is why we brought you oh, in. No. <laughs> we bring up general points and then we hope the guests can give us specifics. Um, no, look, the reason I, I, I put the question so openly and some would say stupidly is because like Bohemians are back in ninth at the moment. Shamrock Rovers are effectively managerless. Bradley is in, but he's in a caretaker capacity. He doesn't actually have the qualifications to uh, take the job full time they're two points behind Derry City who are third Cork City are second on 40 points so Rovers okay 11 points behind them Cork City not playing this weekend in the league they desperately need a win to reignite their season and for Bowles well they, I guess they just want to win because yeah. they're playing Rovers a goal would be nice to be honest yeah, yeah there you go well for Rovers the, the, tar- <clears throat> the target now has to be third place mm. has to be third place and secure in Europe uh, European football next year because obvi- uh, while the Europa League doesn't generate the kind of income that the Champions League does, it's still a couple. It's still over two hundred grand. That's very manageable considering the way Der- where <coughs> considering Derry are currently occupying third and prone to dropping points the way they are. Well, it is, but Rovers have also shown themselves to be prone to dropping points as well. So I mean, it's, it's but just in terms of an actual goal, like it's. Oh yeah, no, it's it is. It's 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 very much achievable. Um, and uh, it would be a huge disappointment from a Rovers point of view if they didn't uh, get European football next year um, so yeah it, it's important that Rovers um, not only win tomorrow night because of the massive bragging rights on offer but you know it's 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 crucial that they uh, don't let Derry City who've got Longford Town tomorrow night don't pull away further from them um, it, it, there's so much more going on at Rovers now than just tomorrow night's game that, that it, it might be easy to kind of lose lose focus. Um, but as right now, the important thing is just to pick up three points. Are you referring to the manager search there, or yeah, absolutely, okay. the, the manager search there, the the fact that they've <clears throat> excuse me decided to get rid of uh, uh, a third manager in a row, um, the 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 instability that that can bring to a club. Um, and the doubts that it can put into the heads of players, particularly players who've been brought in 
by the manager who's just uh, been been dismissed. Um, so yeah, I mean, there'll be a huge amount of uncertainty there, and like I say, easy to kind of take your eye off the ball. So it's important that uh, Stephen Bradley, uh, as 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 inexperienced a manager as he is, but uh, clearly a, a a very very strong coach, yeah. it's important that he uh, refocuses. Is there possibly half an eye in keeping him on there in a semi permanent role until he can be trained up, or is it uh, they're going to be definitely looking elsewhere? I I think they have to be looking elsewhere because I'm not sure how close he is to even uh, uh, and I have to plead ignorance on. This. Uh, in terms of getting his pro license yeah um so he would have to um I, he would have to be registered on a pro license course in order to stay on beyond the 60 days um i'm i, I must look into when the fai are uh or the, the ifa or whoever are yeah. going to hold their next pro license course um it also depends on stephen bradley's um own ambitions whether he sees himself as a first team uh manager or in the long term or whether he'd like to you know continue in, in, in the academy kind of development uh, role that, that he'd be in it. Uh, so you know there's a couple of imponderables there right now they're kind of in a precarious position at the moment I know we're saying that third is an achievable goal but just in the sense that they really have to stick or twist with their approach to their next managerial appointment because this has to set out the stall for the next two three years rather than the next getting them through to the next nine 18 months yeah it's funny that's what I thought about Fenland that, that it was a it was a stick or twist and I thought because of the pedigree of Pat Fenland it would most definitely be a stick um, especially since it's been to be 3-4 years coming you know mm. it was always inevitable that Fenland was going to take over at Rovers really yeah so I mean while you know I, I would have thought the Stephen Kenny appointment a couple of years back would have worked um, and you know still think that he wasn't given the, enough time um, to put his own stamp on the club um, I know a lot of Rovers fans would disagree with me on that point but you know, you're right about Fenland. It it when he was appointed, while the squad mightn't have been the the strength at the strength that he would have wanted, and while the finances mightn't have been there at the time to for him to strengthen the squad, I always felt that he would, because of who he was, mm. be given the time to, you know, to to have a long term kind of uh, approach to this. But clearly, there was frustration on both sides. And that obviously boiled over after the European exit and they parted company. I want to talk to you about Derry and Longford Town, more so the Longford Town angle on this, because they are rock bottom on eight points. They're four behind Wexford Youths, who are, um, well, they were supposed to play Pats this weekend. Obviously, that's not happening because of Pats' uh, adventure in Europe. Yeah, Longford desperately needs something here, otherwise they're going to fall away badly. Yeah, big time, big time. It's it's um, it's it's been such a strange season. You wouldn't have expected Longford with the squad that they have to be struggling so badly. And to just have eight points is is, is an What's awful record. Um, you know, it 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 can be a a, a bit of a cop out sometimes, but they have been absolutely crucified by injuries, um, particularly to back four. And I think there's only been one occasion this season where Tony Cousins has been able to field his his first choice back four, um, and. You know, in in League of Ireland, it, 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 a strong defence is is worth you know a huge amount of points. Um, and and that kind of uh, structure and stability that it offers, um, it it's it, it's clearly it's clearly not not good enough for the size of the club that they are and the the um you know players that they have, and. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I would have thought, you know, things are t- taking a turn for the better here and they're, they might be on the way up. Performances w- had improved and, and one or two results had, had kind of um, come in that were, you know, looking like they were turning the corner. But, you know, every time they look like they're turning the corner, it, it just seems to uh, go awry again. Surely the dot performance, though, would give them some heart and it shows that there is at least a bit of fight left in them to drag something from the season. Absolutely. And, and I remember watching the Pats game on TV as well and they looked... <clears throat> Excuse me. That while while they, they don't t- look a shambles, like they don't no, look they like don't. a side that that are completely adrift at the that's, bottom. That's the that's the really perplexing thing, and I've only seen them a couple of times this season, so I suppose I, I wouldn't be best placed to kind of uh, uh, kind of comment in, in in regards or compared to someone who's watched every game that they've played this season. But you're right; they don't look like a shambles. They look like a a, a, a strong team. They look like a team with goals in them. Yeah. They also look like a team that that, that has uh, you know leaks goals as well, um, and uh, it, it is. It is it is baffling that that they're in this position um, that they're in, and and right now you you look at the gap between themselves and Wexford Utes. You look at Wexford Utes, who who might you know might take ship heavier defeats, but are also capable of picking up big results as well. And you you're thinking if things don't turn around at Longford soon, they could find themselves 
too far adrift um, coming into the final third of the season Yeah Valiant's always a word I suppose you hear associated with Wexford using their season so far uh, the other game this weekend that we have left in the Premier Division at least anyway is on Saturday evening and it's at the Carlisle grounds where Bray face Finn Harps and for Bray I suppose similar to uh, to Longford in a way it's a, a game they very much need to win to drag themselves away from that mire at least to give themselves some something of a bit of breathing room Yeah well one one, one big thing I saw that I was at the Bose Bray game last weekend and I mean, Peter Cherry obviously had an absolute stormer of a game, um, and they—they they, I know Harry Kenny afterwards wasn't you know he's was delighted obviously with Cherry's performance, but he wasn't happy with the number of chances that that they actually gave up to Bose. Um, it's they've they've actually picked up a nice little run of clean sheets now, and since Harry Kenny has come in, that was been that has been his aim to um, strengthen from the back uh, as as a former defender. That was the you know the the area that he targeted initially, and and. Now that they're looking quite solid, the back he's going to look further up the pitch, um, and also hope to bring in maybe one or two more players. I mean, he's, he he got absolute steals in terms of being able to bring in uh, Tim Clancy and John Sullivan, um, for nothing, uh, because they both left uh, Sligo and Galway respectively. Mm. Um, so if he can get in one or two more players like that, uh, particularly uh, further up the pitch where he can add to their firepower, then you know they 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 could be in a position to um, actually move away from from danger there. Which for Finn Harps themselves, I suppose, would be a, a bit of a worry, I guess. Yeah, but again, you're talking about a team that's picking up uh, unexpected results. That's that's. Um, it's the magic of Ollie Horgan. It is, and you know the more Ali Horgan, if he chops that hair, Finn Harps will start losing. Samson Horgan is. I I think every barber in Bally Buffet has been warned not to cut his hair, so that's okay. They have barbers in Bally Buffet. But he's well, they double up as dentists, obviously. He's um. I have absolutely nothing to do with this part of the conversation. <laughs> well, it was he, you who wrote these notes for us and said, "Here, crack this joke." About uh, twenty-two minutes into our chat, it'll be funny. But it would be light relief, as you call them. That's it. Their home form is brilliant. You know, their home form is good. They've got a very uh, uh, it's it, it's the old cliche. It's a t- difficult place to go. It is mm. both in terms of you know getting there geography wise and it's it's the most awful side of thing I think of the season so far is Bally Buffet is a difficult place to go. Love you, but the roads are shite. Basically, <laughs> that's what we're saying about Bally Buffet. That's it. That's it's it. It's a great yeah. place, but God help me, it's a horrific journey. It'd be grand if it was closer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or there was a motorway, or a train. You train, yeah, it'd be great, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah. One day, uh, the issues of the Irish transportation system probably won't for another day. Another one to revisit <laughs> with you, Mark. When next year in, uh, Mark McCadden of the Irish Daily Star. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. It's intermission time. We're happy to have you with us tonight, and hope you'll come back often. Thanks once again to Mark McCadden. You can read his fine work every week, every day in the Irish Daily Star. Uh, we've been joined in studio by our resident Sligo person and often substitute for either one of us when we're away. Smelly Dan Kelly, welcome the, back to the podcast. Man. I don't think he likes being called that. I don't, not at all. Thank you, Richard. What, substitute? Yeah, substitute. I'm not a fan of that at all. Substitute the 1980 hit single by Clout is Deadly, though. I have no idea what you're on about. Well, I'll cut it in here. See, told you, class. Yeah, great. Hi, hi, Ashin. How are you? Thanks for being nice to me. By the way, depending on you didn't say anything. Exactly, <laughs> that's <laughs> better than that, nothing. It's better than what I usually say to him. By the way, if you're <laughs> a little bit confused as to what we're doing this week, we have so released we. a version on Thursday without the Cork City and St Pat's European ties because obviously they haven't been played yet. And then on Friday we'll do some kind of re- review, which will probably come after Dan Kelly here. Edit. Hi, me popping up again on the director's cut version. Actually, we talked about City and Pat's a little bit earlier. Is this awkward? Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and slip off. Back to me and Richie. Edit. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Uh, I was just outside doing my work and then you call me in, so I assume you want to talk about Sligo Rovers. A little bit early, yeah, because last week they, um, I suppose, put a fly in the ointment in the preparations of St. Patrick's Athletic. They certainly did. When they, they beat the When last we spoke. When last we spoke. Things, when when I, last you bothered to turn when, up. When last, yeah, when last we spoke as a trio, uh, things were... Not great. Not great at all, but they have improved. They have improved. What you put that down to? I think it's down to Dave Robertson's beliefs and methods finally hitting home. I think it's down to the fact he knows his uh, settled team now, whether that has been by the design or by choice. Mm. Uh, he has a fairly settled team now. And it comes back to one person I think the key to so far has been this season, and welcome to 2006, Rafael Cotero. What? <laughs> it's the hair plugs. It is. Uh, 
Yeah. You said that, not me. Well, you know, I'm just looking to my own future here and kind of going, well, what could make things happen for me in my life, in my career? But for Raf, you know, fair play. He is uh, well into his 30s now. He's an older gentleman than I at this stage, I think. And still doing the biz. And again, last week against Simpatia was excellent. I think it's four or five goals now this season. He didn't score any last season. So. Well, is this a case of you, like him being used better? Is it a case of players around him feeding into what he does and clicking what, what, what he does better? Or is it just a case where Raf's just on form again? For a man in his mid-30s, I still think no one knows what his best position is. That's bizarre. It is. He's played in almost every position for Sligo Rovers, uh, defence, midfield and attack. And I wouldn't be surprised even in a pre-season friendly or something he was thrown in goals. He did, he did like, even the same when he had that, uh, I was going to say ill-fated, it just didn't happen to work no. out. It was like a relationship for two or three months with somebody whereby you kind of go, yeah, do you know what? It's probably best if we both move on at this stage. A nice idea at the time. It was a nice idea at the time. This but it didn't like, turn out Yeah, the best. exactly. It didn't turn out the best at, at Bowes for him and, you know, fair play for him for, for seeking pastures elsewhere. But I don't think that's entirely down to Raf. Well, that's that's what I was just going to say. There is an element of, and there was a bit of that with uh, Pat Fennell at the time, whereby players were played out of position. Like everybody from uh, like Gareth McLean played as a winger to uh, what's his name, Mark Quigley, being played uh, really out of position out, out, as, as a winger himself, as a midfielder almost as well. And he's monkeyed around a little bit with Kataro, but with Kataro, stick him in around the box. You know what you're going to get. Fox in the box. And uh, scores, and that's what happened last week. A uh, perfect counter attack ball came into Raf. To be honest, it was so easy that I'm surprised the Simpas defenders didn't catch on to it. Is he one of these players, kind of like Robbie Keane and, and George O'Callaghan? They like being loved, and they actually play better be, play better when they feel that love. Well, they seem to, like people seem to really love Raf. He's probably he's probably the most popular player player in the team because he's one of the few. Genuine, genuinely local players that has been in the squad for as long as many people can remember whether he's had that love from managers or not that's not for me to say but he Robertson well it is you're a pundit Robertson has certainly brought something out in him this season as I said he hadn't scored last season but he already has four or five this year so the relationship there between the two men is certainly working it's not just Quartaro though things clicking elsewhere on the pitch yeah it is players like uh, Toby Adebayo Rowling he came in at the start of the season uh, right back he had a very slow start to the season he's impressing now he would have been one of these signings that uh, Dave Robertson would have brought in players like Kieran Sadler in midfield who uh, putting on my Slugger over side I sincerely hope is there at the end of the season okay. because he seems to be a level above a lot of the players in that team and uh, when we had uh, someone like Paul Cook bringing over his sportsman team back to the showgrounds last week sadly I scored two goals in the last 10 minutes in that game I wasn't at it myself but when you hear of a pre-season friendly it was also Gavin Pearce's testimonial where there was a team winning yeah. 3-1 with 10 minutes left and then it suddenly ends 3 all. you think maybe for a testimonial friendly they might have uh, let Rovers get a few goals back far from it sadly got two well taken goals and he's a player that certainly stood out in that game and you'd hope that he's still there at the end of the year. Hopes for the rest of the season because there's that group in and around fifth to ninth, and Bowes being part of that, Finn yeah. Harvey part of that, Pats, uh, unfortunately from their perspective, a part of that as well as our Galway, and even up as far as if Rovers do have a, Shamrock Rovers that is continue to have a shaky uh, continuation of their season, you know you could be looking upwards as far as fourth. For, yeah, well we're only six go. points off fifth yeah. at the moment. Uh, it's probably one of those seasons where it turns out every year there's probably three or four leagues in the League of Ireland uh, I would say a good cup run remember Slug Rovers have been good at the cup in previous years uh, the Aviva I think is our second home I think <laughs> so, hey, that's the same, like, I hate that because we, we, like, we've never been there as a club yeah. Yeah, which is I, I always find that galling now and it's nice you kind of get to the, the, the did you the, not go on a school tour we, to the Aviva yeah. Uh, yeah like I've been there for different bits and pieces clearly but to be there with your club you kind of see the carrot. It is a, a nice. You experience. kind of see the the carrot that a cup final experience is yes. now again. And, and I think that rebuilt. I think that I think that this year is our best chance of success. Yeah, uh, we beat Cavan Teeley in the second round, and you can get a for you can get a very good cup draw. I won the years we won the cup. I think we yeah. only played Premier League division for the first time in the final. Yeah. So it is possible. And Dave Robertson seems to be doing the successful Sligo manager thing of really immersing himself in the community. Oh, he is fully. Uh, like even, for example, today, Thursday afternoon, I saw a picture of the players up because they have uh, they were supposed to be playing Dundalk this weekend, but because they're against the Icelandic champions, which I'll let Richie pronounce. Hafnarfjordur. Hafnarfjordur. Don't play that backwards, you may end up killing the clergy. Uh, Rovers had the weekend off, so they're up climbing Knocknaray this afternoon. It's one of the mountains just outside Sligo Town. So they're getting in. There's a lot of team bonding there. 
fully immersing themselves in the community and Robertson seems to be uh, becoming a more popular figure after what was probably a rough start for him because Rovers weren't doing that well. Do you think he's bare grillsing that? As in he's getting them all to fend for themselves in the wild? Because he's a former soldier, isn't he? He is a former show, uh, former Royal Marine. Uh, I'm not sure if either of you have ever been up Knocknarray. There's not much to do up there. It'd be hard to survive. Except kill to survive. Kill to survive. Well, Queen Maeve is buried at the top, so she didn't oh, survive. Right, okay. Yeah. Are you suggesting that they've gone up to the top of Knockinray to exhume the remains of Queen Mae? Uh I'm not saying that. Because uh, that's weird, Dan. Yeah, that may happen. We don't know. Fair enough. Dan, thank you very much. Cheers, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, that will just about do it for our kind of two-parted version of the podcast this week, given the events I, in I Europe don't think for... it's two-parted. I think it's um, like the director's cut. Split personality. Cut. Yeah, yes. The director's cut. Uh, the first part, the first time we released it this week, obviously we didn't talk about City and Pats because... Their European games. We can't tell the future, yet. people. Exactly, but the second version we released had uh, no stuff. voiceover from Harrison Ford, like the first version of Blade Runner did. And then for the second one we released, the second version we'd City Pat's preview and still no voiceover from Harrison Ford. And we're still none the wiser as to whether or not Damien Richardson actually was a replicant. I'm going to guess with that vocabulary. He was. Uh, obviously, Watch Blade Runner if you haven't, kids. With Cork and Pats both in European action, neither of them see Premier Division action. Their game's postponed uh, this coming Friday. But instead, the juicy prospect of a Dublin derby in California. Yeah, it's live on Air Sports 1. Shamrock Rovers taking on Bohemians. It kicks off at 8. Derry City also in action. They're up against Longford Town at 7.45. We talked about Longford earlier, regardless of what uh, version you listen to. On Saturday night, Bray Wanderers taking on Finn Harps. Finn Harps, can we call them a surprise package so oh, yeah. far? They're in 8th position on 23 points. That means they're, what, uh, 10 points clear of Bray Wanderers who are third from bottom on 13. That's actually quite the gap. Speaking of being clear, I think I worked it out. I think Limerick are about four or five games away from completing the league (laughs) should they win their next uh, few matches. But Limerick, it is Saturday evening when they see action at home to Cove Ramblers. And Friday night, in that little pocket of teams that are looking to compete for the uh, promotion playoff spot, Drogheda currently occupying third. They play host to Athlone at 7.45. And every week where Athlone still managed to turn up is a victory for them at this stage. And imagine ditto for Waterford, who have made the trip to the Belfield Bowl on Friday night for a game with UCD. Saturday's other game is at Talca Park, where Shells take on Calvin Teeley in the secondary Dublin Derby of the weekend. That one, a 7.15 start at Talca. It's not secondary to the students or the cabins. What do Calvin Teeley fans call themselves? Answers on a postcard, please, or you yeah. can tweet us at Richie McCormick or at... Oshin Lankin. And if we haven't spoken about your club this week, just remember the fact... We do not rate you. And you're a bunch of minnows. You're a minnow. And RTE hates you as well. That's why they never cover you. And we, oh, wait a minute, that's the Sunday game crowds I'm thinking of. Sorry. Yeah. We started on European tip. We'll end with one, uh, with some telex and Eurovision, because we're cheesy as hell. Yeah.